love, that God would speak to them, move in their hearts, and that he would use you to reach them. Well, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he was eating a meal with his disciples, and he took bread and he distributed it around the table. And he said, take and eat. This bread represents my body. Let's take and eat. After this, taking the cup, he passed it around, had each of them drink from it. And he said, this cup represents a new covenant in my blood. Drink and remember me. Let's drink and remember Jesus. Jesus, how could we forget you? This life, this life of ours started with your sacrifice. The fact that we can be in here, we can worship you freely, without condemnation, without feelings of guilt and shame oppressing us. The fact that we can be free is because of what you did. God, you're worthy of all of our affection, all of our devotion and attention. I pray that today you would open us up so that we'd be able to hear your word, hear your message that you would transform us and turn us more and more into your image. God, we love you. We give you ourselves today, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. And it's good to see you at 10 o'clock. Uh, my name is Richie, lead pastor here, and I am thankful that God got you here today. Are you doing okay? You all right today? We're live? Yes, it's good. I. I wanted to say thank you to, to Eric leading us in, in worship today. Matthew, who uh, normally is up here leading us, got married last night. And so um, we're really excited for them, Matthew and Gabby. I'll be praying for them this week. I, I believe God's just going to start this marriage off awesome and really, really excited for this couple and uh, excited for what God's going to do in them and through them as a team. So thanks, Eric, and thanks for the team leading us today. I uh, appreciate all of you guys a ton. And really, really excited uh, that we get to be on a mission together to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. That mission is so evident when we get to see lives changed around here. You know, last week we got to baptize three more people into Jesus Christ, and then we celebrate that like crazy because that's lives being changed. That's really what this is about for us is, is hearts being turned from our own way to Jesus' way, from uh, trying to save ourselves and make purpose for ourselves to actually recognizing I need a Savior, I need salvation. Jesus, would you forgive me my sin and make me right with God? Man, that is a powerful picture uh, that God is working out around here all the time, and we're thankful that you're here and you want to be a part of that mission, and you're excited about going, hey, how can I be a part? Everyone around here, I want to encourage you and invite you, uh, starts at 101. 101 is a class that we lead a couple times a month to help you understand who we are, what we believe, where we're going as a church. You've come from all kinds of different places with different ideas about church, and some of them good, some of them bad, and we want to get all of our hearts unified, and 101 is a chance for us to just go, hey, this is what real life is all about. This is what you would be jumping into. Uh, we want you to come in wholeheartedly, eyes wide open, understanding uh, what it means to be a part of this team, this church together. And so I want to invite you, get on our website, uh, maybe even Jot 101 on your Connect card there. We would love to reach out to you and get you those dates. You can find them on our website. I uh, would love for you to join us coming up soon so that you can be a part of what God is doing around here. I also want to remind you to pray. We are praying uh, for lots of things around here. Uh, we're praying that our bathroom would finish this week, okay? Uh, pray for our subcontractors to show up and do the work. It's going to be so good. And uh, 
We're praying for also more serious things than bathrooms, but uh, we're, we're praying that God would uh, lead us as a church. We believe uh, he's calling us to give financially in a one-time gift here November 20th. We give week in and week out. It's called a tithe, a tenth of our income. We return it to the Lord. But this is a special moment above and beyond that to say, God, we are believing you're calling us to take some big steps forward this year uh, as a church. And so we are going to give towards those steps forward and want you to really pray, what's my part? How do I give? God, how much you want me to give? Do you want me to give or not give? Uh, I really want to encourage you to be praying. And, and as this November 20th is coming up, um, God's going to be unifying our hearts and bringing us together to say, hey, how can we become a place of shelter where people can find hope and healing and restoration here? We're going to invest in our, our One Heart kids. We're going to invest in recovery. We're going to invest in our benevolence. We're going to actually build a food room. All of this offering is going to go to just become a greater and greater place of shelter in our city for those that are in need. And I can't wait to see how God moves in your heart and what he does through us as a church. So will you commit to pray with me, real life, on that? Yes. Okay, good. I, I, uh, I'm excited. Uh, would you open your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 25? That is where uh, we are today. If you don't know where the book of Matthew is, that's good. Uh, find it in the table of contents. If you've got a paper Bible, Google it. If you've got your phone, uh, Bible app on there, Matthew chapter 25. We've been telling stories uh, for the last six, seven weeks now, trying to understand what Jesus' kingdom is all about. The moment you begin a relationship with Jesus, you're invited to be a a participant in his kingdom. Uh, But most of us only know what the kingdom of this world is and the standards and the priorities of this world. And so it takes a, a really unlearning and relearning process to become a person of the kingdom and to understand what it means for us personally and collectively as Jesus' church. How do we be a people of his kingdom? What does that look like? Jesus told these stories called parables all the time. And these parables were almost like kind of these uh, mysterious stories that he would he would paint a picture and then the, the hearer was required to do some digging, some discerning, some what is he talking about kind of questioning. And, and that question is a good question because it stirs our hearts with a hunger and a desire to know. And the kingdom of God is really dependent on the, the hunger of the individual seeking it. It's there, but whether or not you and I will, will humble ourselves and seek the kingdom and seek first his priorities and his desires and really try to discern what he's saying to us, man, that's up to you. And, and nobody can really do that for you. And so as we come to the story in Matthew 25 today, I want to encourage you to have that kind of heart, to have a hunger, a humility about you that says, okay, God, I want to, I want to know what you want to say to me specifically today, what you would say to us collectively as real life here in Spokane. Uh, what do you want to say to us today? So Matthew 25 is a story that Jesus tells amidst a whole bunch of description. All of 24, all of 25, Jesus is talking about the end of the world. Awesome. Welcome to real life today, okay? Uh, but this story specifically is, is talking to people um, about being ready for that moment. It's the parable of the ten virgins. And normally, maybe this, I don't, we'll just get into it. I'm not going to explain it. Let's just go, okay? Like, virgin, yeah, okay, we're just going to go, okay? Matthew chapter 25, Jesus uh, tells this story. He says at the end, you know, at that time, the kingdom of heaven is going to be like ten virgins who, who, who took their lamps and they went out to go um, meet the bridegroom. 
Now, five of these um, virgins were wise, and they took an extra kind of jar of oil with them, and five of them were foolish and didn't take any oil with them. And the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and so they got drowsy and actually fell asleep. But at midnight, the, the, the call rang out, hey, the bridegroom is coming. And, and so they all woke up, and they trimmed their lamps. And, and then the foolish virgins who didn't bring any oil asked the wise ones, hey, can we have some of your oil so that we could fill our lamps? And they said, no, because then we wouldn't have enough for, for ours. And, and, and so you need to go to the vendors that sell oil and get some oil of your own. And so they go. And as they are going, the bridegroom returns. And he finds the wise virgins and, and, and sees them and says, hey, come on, let's go into the celebration. Let's go into the banquet. And, 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 and they all go in, and the door is closed. The foolish virgins finally return from getting oil, and they find the door closed and begin to knock and even maybe even pound. And, and, and they cry out, Lord, Lord. Hey, let us in. And he says to them, no, 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 I never knew you. Jesus finishes this story, this parable, with just a simple warning. Therefore, be, be, be at watch. Keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. This is the story from God's word. It's a picture. It's a picture of, of the end. And Jesus is, is illustrating a picture that's kind of, it's, it's layered throughout Scripture. If you're new to the Bible, this would kind of feel and sound strange to you. But there's a lot of symbolism here. Uh, throughout Scripture, um, there is this clear sense that those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ have said yes to his salvation and his lordship and leadership of their lives have been given a new identity. You are no longer bound by your sin and, and captive to do the, the desires of your sinful nature. You have been set free and you have been given a new identity that is in Jesus Christ and you are now a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God. You are an heir of the kingdom and, and you have been given this, this kind of title. The church collectively is known as the bride of Christ. And so we have this wedding day picture here laying out in front of us where the groom could literally be Jesus returning for his bride. And these virgins are attendants to the bride. They're the ones that are kind of uh, tasked with getting the party ready, getting the bride ready, making sure everything is prepared for this day. Now, in first century Jewish custom, this would have been uh, a very known story because the engagement happens like the proposal, engagement, yay, they're going to get married. But then the groom leaves, and he goes back to his father's house, and he begins to prepare a home for him and his new wife. And oftentimes it would be attached to the father's house, or, or maybe it would be uh, on the same piece of property but a little further away, and he would build this, this new dwelling. And the bride and her family didn't really know how long it would take. And so there was this waiting, this anticipation, this kind of longing that would build and stir in their hearts. And the moment that they were finished, the groom would return to get his bride. And the bride's family has to be ready to throw a party that day. It's like, talk about wedding planning, right? Like, whoa, how are we going to do this? But, but they got to be prepared that moment to begin the celebration of this wedding. And so, so this is the picture Jesus leans into in this story to go, hey, there's some that were wise and then there's some that were foolish. They, they, outwardly, they looked the same. They all had lamps, 
But some of them were empty on the inside. They didn't have the oil, the, the, the fire, the heat, the, the light that illuminated uh, all of that. Some of them uh, did not have any of that, and so they, they had to go and try to get that and missed the moment where the party, the celebration was happening. This is a picture for us to discern. Where do we find ourselves in this story? Do we sense the anticipation, the buildup, the waiting, the readiness? Is my lamp full or has it grown dry and empty? Do I see where I'm at in this story? I want to pray and just ask the Lord to speak to each of us personally through this story. Let's pray. God, we do just come to you now in humility and say, where, where are we, Lord? What, what are you saying to us individually and collectively? Help, help me, God, um, to say what you want me to say. Help us, Lord, to have ears to hear what you want to say to each of us, God. We're trusting that you, you love your church. You love your bride. You are coming for your bride one day, God. And we hear this story, and we just we sense like a need, God, to, to take a look at the lamps, God, of our lives. And I just pray that you would just make that clear for each of us right now, Lord, where we are. We love you, Jesus. We trust you. In your name, can you say amen this morning? Amen. amen. I uh, used to run. I know that may be a shock to some of you, but I did. I, I ran half marathons, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to run a full marathon. And this was earlier on in our marriage, and my wife was reminding of how long ago it was that I actually ran. Uh, it was a while ago. And my, my Ruby was like a baby, and Faith was a toddler, and, um, you know, they're freshmen and senior now. So just, get, you know, that's the perspective. I used to run. And, uh, uh Man, this marathon, I, I trained for, for months and months and months to be ready for this. And I, as we're reading this story, I was just like, oh, endurance. Am I ready for this, this moment, this wedding, this, this kind of the arrival of the groom? And I was just thinking about the preparation I put into that, that marathon. Miles and miles and miles and miles of training, hours and hours and hours and hours, figuring out nutrition, figuring out hydration, figuring out the right mindset. All of this stuff went into this day, and finally the day came, and I was so excited, and I had a goal time that I was going to meet and beat, and I, I could not wait to get on the course that day. And as we started running, of course, I started out fast, you know, way too fast, and I calmed myself down, and, and, and I got into, like, mile 10, 11, 12, and, and I started anticipating the turnaround because in my mind, we were going out 13, you know, 0.1 miles and then we're turning around and we're coming back to the finish line and it's going to be awesome. And I realized uh, about mile 18 that I was mentally not prepared for this race. I had totally spaced that the first four miles. We had done this weird little loop in town and so we weren't going to turn around at mile 13. But I forgot that completely. We, we, we got to mile 14, and I'm kind of angry. Mile 15, now I'm really mad. Like, what are they doing to us? Like, we got to go all the way back. And, 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 and I can't make it back if we're still going out at the 17, 18. We turned around at mile 18, and I am furious. Like, who are these race people? I want to know who these people are. And mentally, I was just a wreck at this point. I, I didn't know, like, how long do I got to go back? And can I make it back? And I had kind of quit drinking water amidst my, my angst and, and, and found myself totally dehydrated mile 19, uh, mile 20. Mile 21 is a mile-long hill. 
And I am grinding up this hill just like, oh, dear God, you've got to get me through this. And at the, top of my hill, uh, at the top of the hill are my girls, my wife and my two little girls, and they got a sign for me. And I forgot to tell you, this is my anniversary, okay? Like, my wife is amazing. And, and I realized last service, I tell way too many bad anniversary stories all of a sudden. I, uh, but, but, but they're at the top of the hill, and they're like, yeah you know, ringing bells and doing all this stuff. And I am angry. I am just furious. Like this hill is horrible. And these race people are horrible. And I have no water in me and everything like is just miserable at this point. I, I literally, I kind of like, I like waved them off. I'm like, like, don't cheer me on. And (laughs) it hit me. It did. I was like, this is not going to go well like this when I get home. But, but, but I finished this race, and it was the worst last six miles of my life. And, and, and I remember just kind of this overwhelming sense, like, I was not ready for this thing. Like, as much running as I did, man, mentally, like, hydration-wise, like, I was not prepared. It was, it was more of the stuff on the inside than it was, like, my muscles being in good enough shape to make this kind of run. It was more of, like, what was going on inside me that was keeping me be, from being successful in this race. And I think about your story, and I go, okay, you hear this picture that Jesus paints of this, this groom coming to get his bride. The wise and the foolish virgins, and who's ready and who's not, who has their lamp trimmed and full, and who's dry as a bone on the inside. I can't help but think that some of us have got a part in this story somewhere that you would find yourself and you would go, oh, that's totally what God is saying to me. When I think about the picture of the, the oil, the Spirit of God throughout Scripture is always one of his kind of like visible, tangible ways that that the Spirit of God is expressed is as oil. So when you think about the inside of your life and your heart being prepared and and ready to endure for whatever amount of time it is between the day of the, 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 the proposal to the arrival of the groom, If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been given a deposit of the Spirit of God inside you. The oil has been put in your lamp. But whether or not you've stewarded that oil or not, whether or not you've stewarded the relationship with the Spirit of God inside you or not, is really going to determine how well you wait, how how well you endure in this in-between time. And if we're not careful, it dries up on the inside of us, and we run out of this oil, and we find ourselves in the position of the foolish versions on the outside of the door knocking, and the Lord saying, I never knew you. There's a tension throughout Scripture of this, like, yes, salvation is right now, and it's not yet. It's this in-between kind of paradox that you got to wrestle with of going, eh, is my, is my heart filled with the Spirit of God? Am I ready for the day of the arrival of the groom? Or have I kind of just hit cruise control, checked out, allowed my heart to get hardened, my soul to kind of wither up? Is, my, is the, the passion of who God has called me to be, is it alive inside of me or not? And I think that this, this story becomes kind of a warning for us to go, hey, Are we going to be a people who wait well? Are we going to be a people who are prepared for that day? The groom is coming back. Jesus is coming back for his church. And he's put his seal on every single one of us that have repented of our sin, turned to to him as our Lord and Savior. 
And at the same time, there's this tension. Are you going to be somebody that's ready and on the inside of the party, or are you going to find yourself on the outside of that party? And I think that this tension is important for us to wrestle with, as difficult as it may feel, is so important for us to wrestle with. So when you think about the picture of the oil, I love that the oil, if, if the lamp is burning, the oil, like the Spirit of God, brings heat to everyone around it. Think about your life, filled with the Spirit, filled with a sense of, of the heat, the passion, the urgency of who God is and what he's doing in your life. For some of us, we've grown cold. Our hearts have gotten dim. That heat of passion is not alive in our hearts. And the thing that I know about passion is it's a choice. It's not a feeling. It feels good to be passionate, but, but for you to intentionally be passionate about God, about your relationship with him, to have your, your soul filled with the spirit of God is a responsibility for you to steward. This is something that nobody can do for you. Nobody can like fill you up with passion, kind of wind you up and set you off. Like you have a responsibility for your soul to be filled with a passion for God, for the things of God, for you to have the heat of his spirit warming your life and filling you with that sense of urgency and joy and excitement. Everything that comes with passion, man, that comes as you allow the spirit of God to fill you, as you intentionally pursue God's leadership and his, his, his work in your life. Uh, Jesus said, blessed are the, the ones that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When you and I hunger for the work and the spirit of God inside of us, he is so good and faithful to fill us with that oil, with that passion, with that heat. That means getting up early. That means opening God's word. That means you and I intentionally saying, okay, God, you, today is your day. I need you, your spirit, filling me with passion and excitement to live for you, to live your way today. This is your responsibility. And for you and I just to recognize that and go, oh, man, I haven't been feeling it lately. And maybe you've been blaming circumstances or people or, or, or pastors or issues or, or whatever, culture or, or, or economics. You've been blaming lots of stuff. But, but here Jesus is going, hey, this is your responsibility to have your lamp filled with the oil, the, the heat of God's love and God's grace and God's goodness in your life. And for you to wake up each morning with that desperation, God, fill this lamp. God, fill this heart. Fill the soul with this sense of urgency and passion and excitement. I always talk in terms with sports because my kids play a lot of sports, and it's fun to watch an athlete that hustles. You know, one that, that just kind of relies on their gifts and their abilities, but then you can see one that maybe isn't even as gifted or, or talented as the other, but they hustle. And you can tell the difference of like, man, that hustle, that makes up for maybe a lack of ability. It makes up for um, maybe a mistake that they've made. But hustle is, is this thing that just kind of covers over all those issues. That's the way I see passion in our hearts is that you may not have all the right stuff to say. You may not have this life all figured out. But man, you on fire with the heat and the passion of God's presence in your soul, man, that person is a 
powerful person who is being used by God in a really miraculous way. And you and I have an invitation from God himself to have the spirit of God alive inside of us. And I feel like you have a responsibility to steward that passion, not just to wait for a feeling to hit you, but you to wake up early in the morning and say, God, whatever I got to do, I got to get this lamp full today. I got to get this heat hot today. I got to get this passion, this joy, this excitement inside of me because, God, I know you got a world to love. You got a a city to to save, God, however you want to use me today. This school, this workplace, this family, God, I'm yours. This life is yours. I am yours. But you got to make a decision about that. This is something that, that God invites you to have. Would you have that lamp full, alive, hot with passion in your heart? It's a choice that you make. It's a stewardship that, that you are required to engage in. Man, figuring out how to read scripture. You're like, I don't know how to read the Bible. That's what our groups are about. That's what connection around here at, at Real Life is all about, is getting people around you that are going to help you walk towards understanding scripture and maturity and in, in your relationship with Jesus. A disciple of Jesus hears from him, obeys him, and, and, and continues in that process of understanding. And we would love to walk with you in that. But man, that is your responsibility to go, I'm in. I need that. I want that in my heart. The other thing that the spirit brings, oil brings, is healing. I mean, back in in these days, oil was kind of medicinal in purpose a lot of times. And the spirit of God is the same way. When the spirit of God is moving through you to, to bless and love and serve other people, you become a conduit of healing. Man, what a powerful thought. That when our lamps are full, The Spirit of God is bringing healing to relationships in our life. He's bringing healing to people that are struggling. Like you may have a prompting from the Spirit of God to go stop talking, start praying, right? Like that person needs prayer. That person needs a hug. That person just needs a note. That person needs a text. You need to reach out. You need to to just do something and allow the grace and the healing of God to flow through you into other people's lives. You dry up when you stop serving. When, when you and I get enslaved, it's like, an, it's like a trap. It's like a snare. You know what? Life is hard, and I need a little me time, and I need a little bit of like, you know, to fill my cup and spend some time working on me right now. This is a bottomless pit, and you were never designed to meet all of those needs inside you and fill that cup, that lamp. Only the work of God, the spirit of God can fill you up. And so what I love is that the more you serve and sacrifice, the more the spirit fills. It's like, instead of trying to fill your cup, get get really good at emptying your cup. And and as you and I are pouring out our lives and, and the love of God on the people around us, the spirit of God is so faithful to keep filling your cup. But if, but if you get kind of self-serving uh, and, and focused on yourself, man, you, you will find yourself drying up, shriveling up. The lamp will grow, grow empty. You won't have the oil of the Spirit of God inside you, and it's a trap that the enemy is so good at, at spinning lies. Maybe it's hurt. You're, you're enduring pain right now. And in the midst of our pain, it's so easy to just kind of nurse our wounds and, 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 and just stay in that spot for a really, really long time. Some of the most powerful stories are amidst people's pain. They're choosing to love and serve. 
And their story becomes one of God's healing, not only in those that they're blessing, but also healing in their own soul as they're serving those around them. I just want to just challenge you for a second. Some of us, you've come here because life has been hard lately. And I'm glad you're here. Because as a people, we need support. We need encouragement. We need each other to keep going through the difficulties. But, but if you would allow me to be your pastor, hear this from me. Do not allow this trap, this deceptive trap of I need to take care of me for a little while to become your story. You will live that story, and your lamp will be dry. The wise ones are the ones that came with an extra oil jar of oil ready to, to fill that thing up. And I just think about the opportunities that we have to love and serve people around us at work, at school, whatever your context is, even here on Sundays or in our groups, we try to provide as many places for you to grow in the grace of, of serving and sacrifice. But, man, when you get in that spot beyond yourself, it is so amazing to feel the, the fulfillment of the Spirit of God filling you with joy and excitement. Is serving easy? No, it's hard, and it's annoying a lot of times, right? But God is so good as you are sacrificing to fill your soul with a character and with a sense of burden for people's pain and issues and hurt. Like, like all of this sacrifice just begets more and more sacrifice, more and more desire to see the healing of God flow through you into other people's lives. But when you get self-centered, you shut off the inflow of the Spirit of God. So for you and I just to go, okay, I don't want to get trapped there. I don't want to get stuck there. I don't, want to, I don't want to make excuses about my pain or my difficulties. God, I want to be someone who recognizes that you want to get your healing through me into people's lives around me. So God, just soften my heart that way. I don't even know where to start. I, I don't know where to go, but just, just ask for help. Again, just like the other piece, just that's what the church is about. It's designed to help kind of move us beyond that stuck spot into a place where, where healing is actually flowing through us. It's such a joy to be used by God to love, serve, encourage uh, someone around you. And man, I long for us to be a church that recognizes God put us here on purpose. He saved you for a reason. He he. he, he, he called you out of darkness into his light so that you can become this beacon of his goodness and his glory and that people would actually recognize how loving and good our God is through you. He wants to make your marriage amazing through you. He wants to make your kids amazing through you, your school, your workplace, through you. That like he put you there on purpose. And that healing, he wants to bring it through you into those lives that, that you're in relationship with. The last thing that's so powerful, when I think of the, the oil that Jesus invites us to have filling this lamp of our lives, is this picture that oil, when it's lit, when the lamp is lit, it brings light. It shines bright in, in, in all of the area that it is in. You think about what light does in very dark places. It illuminates. It brings joy. Yes, I can see. I don't have to stumble around this dark room. I don't have to pretend like I know where I'm going. I can actually see. When, when, when lives are darkened by brokenness and pain all around you, that you would actually be filled with the Spirit of God and be shining as light in the darkness is such a powerful picture. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. That, that is who we are as his church, that, that collectively you are a city on a hill 
that you and I actually get to be set up as a beacon of hope and life, of, of salvation for everyone that we come into contact with. That the good news of Jesus Christ is this light shown in the darkness of every human heart. And, and that you and I get to have the Spirit of God illuminating our lives and illuminating everywhere we walk is such an invitation for us. God, that's the kind of people I want to be. That's the, that's the kind of heart I want to have. That's the kind of lamp that I want full of your spirit, full of this oil that's illuminating every heart around me, that people would know hope, they would know life, they would know freedom in Jesus Christ because of you, that your life would actually be a light. And, and man, for you and I to recognize, oh, I got to have the spirit of God inside of me, giving me the heart of God for people around me. See, without the spirit, you don't, you don't really care that much. I don't care that much about people. Without the Spirit of God, I don't, right? But when, when I'm submitted to the Spirit of God, I see people the way God sees people. I see my friends, my family. I see, see people around me the way God sees people. And when you see people the way God sees people, man, that, that light just starts to kind of emanate like, oh, they got to know. They got to know how much Jesus loves them. They got to know how good God is. They got to know, like, the love that he has for them, that he would actually die for them that he would give his own son so that they could be made right with God. That they don't have to live under the curse of sin and shame and guilt anymore, that they can actually be free now to, to live for God. See, that just aches inside of you when you're filled with this light of God's goodness, his spirit alive inside you. The invitation from this story is pretty simple. Have your lamp full. Be someone who chooses the passion of God, the heat of the Spirit inside you, the, the conduit of healing, and this picture of light shining. Every relationship, every heart, everyone that you encounter, that you would, you would hear this invitation from Jesus with really the same kind of tone that he has at the end of the story as a warning. So therefore, be watching because you do not know the day or the hour. The end is coming. And you and I taking responsibility for our own lamps, for our own souls, recognizing, God, I need, I need you. I need your spirit filling this soul. I need your passion. I need your healing flowing through me, God. I'm praying that God is speaking to each of you today. That he's giving you a next step to take coming out of this conversation. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? And I want you to consider what your next step is, what God might be saying to you today. Some of you, it is this first step of just recognizing, I don't, I don't, I don't got the spirit of God inside me. It's simple. Repent. Recognize that you need a savior. And turn from yourself to Jesus. He is the author of this salvation. He is the only one capable of saving you. It's your moment of humility and repentance before him. He gives you a deposit of his spirit, this oil inside you. He begins to give you a heart that wants to obey him. Where your heart used to rebel, now your heart desires to hear from him. That's a miracle. 
Others of you, you could honestly say the heat, the passion has been gone for a long time. Maybe you would just lift your hand in the air and say, that's me. Yeah, I, I need God to rekindle a fire in my heart today. Just lift your hand. So Others of you, you recognize, and it's been all about me. I've been serving myself. God wants to get his healing through you. Just confess that to him. Man, if you're ready to take your first step with Jesus, our team, in a moment, would love to baptize you. Help you take that first step. I know people are getting baptized this service. We've got shirts and shorts and towels, everything you need to take that step today. You're saying, man, I, I, need, I need to become a conduit of healing. That connect card, that's a spot for you to just write, hey, I want to serve. I want to be involved. I need help. Point me in the right direction. I don't know how to read my Bible. Help me. Somebody help me. We would love to walk with you. Put that on that card. Would you stand to your feet with me today? I just want to pray over you. Jesus, we seek you. We seek your kingdom. We seek your will, your purpose, your heart, your spirit above everything else. You promised that if we seek you, we would find you. That if we hungered and thirst for you, that you would fill us, God. So that's where we are, hungry, thirsty, longing, desiring, God, you, your spirit. Fill these lamps. 